This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. I drink it up. First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to a brand new edition of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. My safe word is keep going. Joining me per usual is Mr. Positivity, Wolfie T. What's up? Not much. Are you stoked for the new Borat movie? <laughs> I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, as uh, I think I'll, how I'll put it. That surprises me because... You won't shut up about anything Sasha Baron Cohen does. <laughs> I mean, you're a pretty, uh, you know, ardent follower and fan of his. Yeah, I like his stuff. It's just Borat. I worry that uh, he's kind of outlived his welcome. You know, he became such a big part of pop culture after the first movie that uh, he kind of got overplayed. And then I worry that they'll rely too much on the easy Donald Trump and Mike Pence type jokes, you know, low hanging fruit. Yeah. And it won't be as clever as some of the other stuff that he's done. It seems like he's going to tour the South again. And it's going to be kind of similar to Borat one. Was that thing that he did uh, up in Seattle a couple months ago? Was that part of the filming or was the movie already done at that point? I, I believe that's different? part of the filming. Cause yeah, it seems like, Judging by the trailer, you know, he couldn't be dressed as Borat that much. So it seems like half of Borat, he's going to be in costume as another character. I haven't seen the trailer yet. I don't know. It's going to be on Amazon Prime, right? Yeah. In the trailer, they show people running up to him going, Borat, Borat, like people on the street. <laughs> well, that's, what I, that's part of it, too. It's like, well... Like everybody knows who he is now. He's, you know, part of the lexicon. Yeah. Is that the word? The zeitgeist? Mm -hmm. He's in the zeitgeist. Sure is. So we'll see how it goes. I might sign up for Amazon Prime for a month to watch that. Well, well isn't it going to cost extra? Is it? I thought it was going to just be on Amazon Prime. I didn't Prime. read about it, but I just heard it was available through Amazon Prime. So I thought it might be like a Disney Plus scenario where as long as you subscribe to Disney, Disney Plus, then you're allowed to pay an extra, was it $30 for to watch Mulan? I don't know if they're doing that. It doesn't seem like something that they would charge a premium for if it's exclusive to pre, you know Amazon Prime. Because it would drive people to sign up for the service just to watch it. Well, don't you think that's what Disney would have just done? Disney is a money-grubbing fucking... You got to get that money for China. Well, they laid off 20-some thousand workers today. Well, did you see that the executives' uh, pay went up to pre-pandemic rates also? Was that with Disney? Yeah. Because I saw that for, uh, what was it, Allstate? That, I didn't see it for Allstate. I saw a couple of people on Twitter pointed out, like they did a side-by-side -side of the two headlines, like Disney lays off 26,000 
theme park workers. And then the other headline was Disney increases executive salaries back to pre-pandemic levels. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you got to spend the money. It's just, you know, you might as well send, spend it on somebody who's already, you know, well off. Yeah, I have not subscribed to the Disney Plus and I don't plan to. I've thought about it, but I don't know how much I'd actually use it. I think it's cheap enough that it wouldn't be that big of a deal to just kind of have it. But because I think they give you a pretty good discount if you do like a 12 month subscription yeah. versus month by month. Plus, you could do that Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, and Hulu package. That, I don't know if that's even a, that great of a deal versus, because I don't necessarily want Hulu. Like, if I wanted Hulu, that might be a way to go, because yeah. I already have ESPN Plus. But I don't know if I want that Hulu, because it's like the ad-supported one, and like I don't want to pay for something and then have to watch ads <laughs> during my shows. Yeah, I already get Hulu free through my cell phone carrier, so... I don't know, like ESPN Plus isn't that big of a deal to me. I, don't, I wouldn't really watch it much. I've subscribed a couple of times for like a month to watch a certain thing, but um, and I don't want Disney Plus, so I'm just like, mm, not a deal for me. Yeah, ESPN Plus is um, where UFC has most of their events. Yeah. Once in a while, they'll have something on ESPN the cable channel but the vast majority are on espn plus and then all the pay-per-views are you have to buy them through espn plus now they're not available anywhere else how much do you think pacquiao mcgregor is going to go for uh probably too much <laughs> <laughs> definitely too much i'm trying to think if pacquiao when was the last time he fought, and is he coming off a loss, or did he win his loss? I can't remember. Fight? I thought he might have come back to beat some cupcake, but I can't remember. Well, I think he might have had a bad decision go his way like a year or so ago. But uh, he – I don't know if he's still a draw. Like, he hasn't been, a like, the number two guy in, like, five or ten years now. Yeah. Even when he fought Floyd Mayweather, like he was already on the decline. And that was, I don't know, like 2012, maybe? I think it was later than that, but yeah, not too much. Probably around there, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not excited about that fight. I'd rather see Connor come back to the UFC. Yeah, well, let's see if he stays out of jail, huh? <laughs> I mean, he must have figured out a way because they arrested him on his yacht a couple weeks or a month ago. Mm -hmm. Now he's setting up a uh, charity fight with Dustin Poirier, an exhibition MMA fight. But then Dana White's like, why don't you guys just fight in the UFC? And then we'll charge pay-per-view prices for it. <laughs> <laughs> and then we won't give any money to charity. <laughs> Well, let's get down to it. This is a recently seen episode. Coming up on the horror extravaganza, we're going to do the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think we'll do that for next week. Either that or Nightmare on Elm Street, because we're doing both. And then um, mm -hmm. we'll be doing Death Proof. And then 
did you decide on the birds or invasion of the? Are you still thinking about invasion of the body snatchers, either or? I, th- I think invasion of the body snatchers might make a little bit better full episode. Okay. I think there's a little more stuff in there, but uh, spoiler alert: you might get challenged to watch the birds in the next couple months. No worries. I will watch the birds. What did you see, Clarice? What did you see? I completed the movie challenge for Forbidden Planet. So we're going last. However, we both saw a newer release. So I think we can both talk about it. I think in 2020, this still counts as a new release. Yeah. Because there's like a, anything released after March in a theater I think could be considered a new release. So from 2020, Bill and Ted Face the Music, directed by Dean Parasot, Parasot, starring Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, Kristen Schaal, Samara Weaving, Bridget Lundy Payne, William Sadler, Anthony Kerrigan, Aaron Hayes, Jima Mays, Hal Landon Jr., Beck Bennett, and Kid Cuddy. And Amy Stotch. You leave her off, Misty? Yep, that's right. Uh, synopsis. Once told they'd save the universe during a time-traveling adventure, two would-be rockers from San Dimas, California, find themselves as middle-aged dads still trying to crank out a hit song and fulfill their destiny. So, the third part of the Bill and Ted franchise. I liked it. I liked it, too. It was entertaining. I laughed a lot. There's, there's a lot to like in this movie. Takes a, a little bit from the first movie, a little bit from the second movie, throws in some new stuff that you haven't seen before, and uh, quite a few good jokes in there. And it's got plenty of member berries in it. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I saw this in the theater. I had to look high and low to, to find it because it's not playing at AMC or apparently any other like major theater chain around here. Yeah. I had to go to the uh, independently owned theater that I used to go to when I was a kid where they don't have stadium seating. All the seats are on the floor. There's a slight incline. Yeah. So I was in the back seat, but I was still sitting on the floor is what it felt like. <laughs> <laughs> but I was the only one in there, so it was fun. I didn't have to wear my mask. I felt okay taking my mask off as I was not six feet. I was not within six feet of anybody. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was really good. I uh I didn't have huge expectations going in. I had only seen the TV spot a few times, I think. I don't know if I ever saw the full trailer. It's weird seeing Keanu Reeves kind of regress back to the uh, Ted character. (laughs) (laughs) Especially, he looks much older in this movie than he does in, like, John Wick or some of the other stuff that he's done recently which is kind of weird considering his character is uh, like mentally much younger in this kid in this movie. Yeah. 
basic gist of the movie is, you know, back in Bogus Journey, they were supposed to create a song that would unite the world. And they're middle-aged yeah. now and they haven't done it. And they're visited from the future. A person from the future visits them and says that basically the entire universe is going to end in like 70 some minutes unless they make that song. Right. So they have to go into the future to steal it from their future selves. <laughs> and it doesn't, it doesn't go so well. So they have to go to different versions of their future selves, like different years. And so there's various future Bill and Ted's. They're just trying to guess like how far in the future they have to go before the, the song has been written. Yeah. And each of those scenes where they confront their future selves, I was just busting out laughing. There's some really, really funny stuff in there. Uh, I don't want to give any like real specifics uh, so as not to spoil it, but I thought that was great. There's a new character that gets introduced as kind of the... Uh, you know, the fail safe if Bill and Ted are, are not able to accomplish the feat. And uh, he starts out kind of weird, but. Uh, <laughs> You're talking about the, the robot assassin, Dennis Caleb McCoy. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if we want to give it away, but that is who I'm talking about. He, he was my favorite character in the movie. I didn't like him at first, but he grew on me. And then I thought found it pretty funny. And then I thought, well, maybe they used him a little too much towards the end, but he was still funny. Yeah. Once he started showing some personality, like I was, I couldn't get enough. Like I just wanted more of him. So I wasn't, uh, I didn't think they used him too much. Death. I, honestly, I thought he was almost too serious in this movie. <laughs> it's my favorite line in the movie in the beginning because they talk about wild stallions breaking up. There's all these news clipping headlines, like a montage of kind of what happened between Bogus Journey and now. And so Death leaves the Wild Stallions, and there's a quote headline it's See You in Hell. <laughs> <laughs> just maybe picture Death saying, just leaving the band, saying, I'll see you in hell before I'm back in the Wild Stallions. It's funny, too, because the movie opens up at a wedding. And if you've seen Bill and Ted, <laughs> the first two movies, you're familiar with Missy and while well, she's marrying another member of the family to start Bill and Ted face the music. And I thought that relationship was pretty hilarious too. Yeah. I really liked what they did with Missy's character. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> but yeah. So uh, yeah, basically Bill and Ted, they've, you know, they've stuck together, but the rest of the band has kind of fallen apart and uh they've been struggling they've lost all their fans and then you meet their uh their daughters who weren't weren't they sons at the end of bogus journey i don't remember i have to go rewatch it because you know at the end of bogus journey they go ted and little bill yeah they go and learn how to play guitar and then they come back with babies Mm -hmm. you know like on a baby bjorn or whatever yeah but now they're daughters. But they're still, you know, that's, you know, oh. Bill's daughter's Billy. And that's then true. Ted's daughter's Tia or Thea. Like Theodore. Yeah. It's T-H-E-A on here, Samara Weaving. Well, it's like, uh, I think they said their full names are like Theodora and William Atten or something like that. Yeah. At some point. Samara Weaving, I thought she was, uh, 
you know, she's usually pretty good and everything, but I thought she was kind of forcing her accent in this. Yeah. But yeah, the two daughters basically do their best Bill and Ted impression <laughs> throughout the movie. So, yeah, that was okay. How would you rate it? Uh, not as good as the first two. I mean, if you're a fan of the movies, I'd definitely say go check it out. Well, I'll have to give it a last resort, I think. It's a last resort. I uh, would give it an eventually. Eventually. Because I think it was that good. But I agree it's not as good as the original two. The second one is still my favorite. But I don't think it was that much of a a drop-off from uh, the previous films, considering the layoff. But, yeah, I was really entertained with it. I thought it was really good eventually all right so let's have you take the next one what else have you seen lately well i should mention i did go to the theater three times last week a pandemic record <laughs> at 25 dollars in amc rewards just sitting in my account ready to you know be spent i think uh they gave me 10 bonus ones once they reopened, I think I needed to use that by the end of October. But so I went three days in a row and I, I went to AMC the two days and then I had to go to the other theater for Bill and Ted um, the third time. Mm-hmm. But I went to matinees um, all three days, which is, you know, they have like two, <laughs> two or three uh, screenings for a lot of these movies. So it's, either you know you get your one matinee showing but anyways i was the only one in the theater for all three movies that i saw so i was like having a private screening which is always nice Mm -hmm. i feel the first day that i went the dude scanning tickets you know he had his chin diaper on and he didn't uh (laughs) he didn't feel the need to put it over his nose he scanned my phone and then there was one guy coming out of uh, another theater to get more popcorn or something and he had his mask in his pocket but it was pretty much a ghost town yeah uh, other than that second day the uh employees were a little more uh, stringent with their mask wearing but i really didn't see anybody else in the theater it was it was pretty dead but the first movie i want to see was uh, of course from 2020 and it's called unhinged so my brother joked is that about donald trump i was just gonna say is this a political documentary you're watching <laughs> it's uh directed by derek borte or bort i don't know if it's if the e is silent or not stars russell crowe Karen Pistorius, Gabriel Bateman, Jimmy Simpson, Austin P. McKenzie, and Julian Joyner. Synopsis, after a confrontation with an unstable man at an intersection, a woman becomes the target of his rage. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, apparently a commentary on road rage. <laughs> Uh, or at least that's the way they kind of frame it. They do show a lot of 
like news clips of road rage videos kind of during the opening credits. And then that's, you know, kind of a bit of a theme throughout, but Russell Crowe is fantastic in this. He's, he's looking bigger than ever too. Like, I don't know if he's even bothering to try to get in shape for movies anymore, but (laughs) he's got a big belly. So it starts off with, uh, with Russell Crowe kind of sitting outside of a house and then he does something very despicable and reading the uh, synopsis, they kind of omit that part of it. But the next day, like the, the secondary main character is a, a woman who's going through a divorce. She's got her uh, son that she lives with. who's probably about 12, let's say about 12 years old. And she lives with her brother and his girlfriend or his fiance. And, you know, she's late for getting his, uh, getting her son to, to school in the morning and she's going to miss her first client. She's like a, like a hairstylist and she's trying to like weave through traffic and find shortcuts to, to get to school faster. And she ends up behind a red light behind um, Russell Crowe and the light turns green and he doesn't go even though he's at the front of the line and she lays on her fucking horn just like five times just heavy horn honks and eventually as the light's turning yellow she pulls around him and it makes a left turn and uh she shouts at him and honks some more as she goes by and they end up at another red light side by side and he's just like uh, you know, I'm sorry, I'm having a bad day. I'm sure you just meant to give me a courtesy honk. You know, it's just, you know, water under the bridge. We'll just apologize to each other and get on with it. And she's not having any of it. You know, she's pissed. She refuses to apologize. She says, I meant to honk like that. And he takes it personally. And he uh, takes it upon himself to show her what having a bad day really means. And boy, does he show her. Because <laughs> from there, the uh, the title is pretty apropos. You kind of get what you expect. The the trailers were pretty spot on with what you what you're gonna get in the movie. It's violence. It's action packed. Russell Crowe is just a psychotic lunatic who just is fresh out of Fox and doesn't care uh, who sees him doing these despicable things. And he just, you know, gets fixated on this woman and, uh, you know, just does everything to kind of ruin her day and her life. Really. It almost plays out like a horror movie. Like it's, it's a little bit of like a, like a slasher style. Uh, in my opinion because you got the uh, Russell Crowe is the villain who's just relentless, relentlessly stalking this woman and the people that she cares about Yeah, there's some really cool um, like, like the chase scenes aren't necessarily the, the greatest but there's some really cool like car crashes that kind of come out of nowhere that are pretty sweet like and, real car crashes or, or is there some CGI involved 
I didn't notice any CGI. I think it was all practical. Okay, good. Like there's one that towards the end that uh, in particular, I was just like, I jumped out of my seat almost. It was so cool. <laughs> I was like, damn. I don't think I've ever seen you jump. <laughs> it was out of excitement, not necessarily out of like surprise or like startlement, but it was like, holy shit. <laughs> it was fucking great. But uh, yeah, I had, I had a ton of fun with it. I don't know if this got a lot of play or, uh, or uh, recognition. I know it was one of the first movies to come out after theaters reopened if not the first movie to come out, but I would recommend it. I had a ton of fun. It was a great movie. Um, so I would say unhinged WTM soonish. Soonish, huh? Wow. I, I loved it. Soonish. All right. Maybe I'll have to see it soonish. Next movie I'm going to talk about, a little controversial when the trailer came out a few months ago, The Tax Collector, directed by David Ayer, and written by David Ayer, Starring Shia LaBeouf as a cholo, <laughs> basically. Uh, Bobby Soto, Cynthia Carmona, Jose Conejo Martin, Cheyenne Ray Hernandez, George Lopez is in here. That's about all I recognized. Synopsis, a quote-unquote tax collector working for a local crime lord finds his family's safety compromised when the rival of his boss shows up in LA and upends the business. So there's a little controversy on Twitter when this uh, trailer came out because 99% of this movie is filled with Latino actors. Mm -hmm. And then there's Shia LaBeouf who's kind of like one of them. Although he isn't speaking in like a, you know, South Central Hispanic accent, I guess. East L.A. I don't know. I guess where is the Hispanic population in L.A.? Well, East L.A. is the stereotypical. Okay. Wasn't that Cheech Marin's movie? Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking LA? of. Yeah. So I guess the main character is actually not Shia LaBeouf. It's this Bobby Soto guy. But him and Shia LaBeouf are best of friends. They're pretty inseparable, and they both have the same job. They're just enforcers going around making different collections each day from different smaller gangs. They tax the smaller gangs to pay up to the, you know, the crime lords that run the city. And this movie got horrible reviews. I think it was about 17% around tomatoes. It's 4.7 on IMDb, which is oof, pretty bad. Yeah, but he got those tattoos for real. Hashtag yeah, worth it. He did. He got a full chest tattoo. And things like as like bigger than Danny Trejo's chest tattoo. And he got a, a for realsies tattoo. I assume it looks slightly better than Danny Trejo's since Danny Trejo's was a, you know, prison tattoo and Shia LaBeouf <laughs> yeah. probably went to a professional. Yeah. I thought it was funny. I didn't notice it during the trailer, but when I'm watching the movie, I noticed uh, Shia LaBeouf has these horrific cauliflower ears his character does. I know he does in real life, but then I'm thinking like, did he get cauliflower ears for this role? (laughs) (laughs) Like he looks like an old UFC fighter. Like his ears are gross. (laughs) Yeah. Cauliflower ear is uh, not 
something that you want. <laughs> Did he do the uh, Randy Couture speech from The Expendables? Uh, I don't think so. I see you looking at my ear. <laughs> <laughs> no, he did not actually. Yeah, I don't think maybe, he ever brings it up. Maybe you should drop that in. He just hasn't. <laughs> I was a little confused. <laughs> you should drop in that Randy Couture speech somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere in this podcast. Um, so the movie itself, it's, it's a quick watch. Hour 35 minutes total. Uh, I haven't seen this Bobby Soto guy before. Looks like he's generally new to the scene. The movie itself, it's okay. Like, it gets pretty violent towards the end, as a David Ayer movie is wont to do. And I kind of have a love-hate relationship with David Ayer. (laughs) Did somebody just, did Bill Clinton just drop another body above you again? No, he's playing the saxophone. (laughs) Can you hear that? No, I thought I I heard a thud. No, I'm trying to figure out what song he's playing. I think he might be playing Beauty and the Beast. It's a callback to a previous episode where there was a huge thud in your office and you went on to explain how the person above you is either playing saxophone loudly or you hear these loud thuds randomly. He was playing Hallelujah earlier. Oh, yeah. So the tax collector, yeah, I was saying David Ayer, kind of love-hate relationship. There's a few movies of his I generally like. And there's a bunch where I just think are terrible. Remind me of what he's done. So he, you did The Suicide Squad, which you liked. Yeah, that was a good one. He did End of Watch, which I liked. Well, he did, he did Suicide Squad. James Gunn is doing The Suicide Squad. I thought it was called James Gunn's Suicide Squad. Is that how it, No, I, th- I thought the new one is called The Suicide Squad. I don't know. Anyways, End of Watch was pretty good. Yeah, I like that one. He did Sabotage with Arnold in 2014. Did you ever see that one? No. Has, uh, God, who else is in there? Josh Holloway, Terrence Howard, Sam Worthington, Joe Manganiello. They're like members of like this DEA task force. It was really bloody and gory and just not good. Let's see what else has he done. I think he wrote he, Training Day. Yeah, that was. I think he did, I he was, did Fury, which I liked or enjoyed. My uh, great uncle was a consultant on Fury. Ah, snap. He says, Who's Brad Pitt? <laughs> <laughs> I want to meet somebody famous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he also wrote The Fast and the Furious. Which I couldn't get past the first 10 minutes of that. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, he's done a lot in Hollywood. Some good, more bad, I think. No, I'm thinking of Antoine Fuqua. Yeah. Yeah, Antoine Fuqua. Didn't he direct Training Day? And then David Ayer must have wrote it. Yeah. Okay. So, this movie is, I mean, I guess it's okay to watch once. I, I watched it. Purely because of Shia LaBeouf, because I nowadays I can't pass up an opportunity to see this guy, even though he seems like one of the biggest douches in real life, although he may have cleaned up his act more recently after the Peanut Butter Falcon and the experience he had working with Zach Gastigan, I think his name is. Yeah, I can't remember what his last name is. It's definitely Zach something. 
but uh, yeah, he takes a lot of challenging roles and he goes full method every time. So he was really good in here. I guess it's worth seeing it for his performance. But uh, the movie's not exactly what I expected, and I didn't find it to be particularly good. So I will give it a last resort. It's a last resort. Well then, the last movie that I saw in the theaters was another 2020 movie, and it's one that you reviewed previously on the podcast. It's called Tenet. It was written and directed by Christopher Nolan. Stars John David Washington, Robert Pattinson, Elizabeth Debicki, uh, Johan Olsak. Oh, these are all in weird order. Uh, Dimple Kapadia, Michael Caine, Yuri Kowakonikov. I'm sure that's how he says it. Oh, man. It's too hard to... The way they have the uh, actors listed in IMDb, it's too hard to figure out who's the main cast and who's not. Uh, Synopsis. Armed with only one word, Tenet, and fighting for the survival of the entire world, a protagonist journeys through a twilight world of international espionage on a mission that will unfold in something beyond real time. Yeah, I actually really liked Tenet. It was, um, yeah, right off the bat, they hit you with the action scene. Like, you had no time to settle into this movie. Just guns blazing from the get-go. Very loud guns blazing. I noticed that, too. It was, it was very loud. The uh, sound effects were cranked all the way up. Very Nolan-esque. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty uh fast-paced a lot of action a lot of uh you know rushing from one scene to another and things like that it's a, a complicated concept that they are putting into the movie which is a, obviously christopher nolan loves doing that too i think if you get bogged down trying to figure out how they kind of how the science kind of works behind it you're going to get lost and you might not enjoy it as much. So I just try to kind of go with the flow on this one and just kind of accept like, well, this, you know, in this world, this is how shit works, you know? And I thought within the rules that they established, they stayed in them really well. And I know you always make fun of me for, movies where i can accept a certain amount of science fiction and then if they go outside of the rules on something else i get stuck on that i don't think they did that on this so i had an easier time kind of following along (laughs) not not being like well you can't do that in this world you said i'll accept that but not this (laughs) so I don't know. Is it's not too much of a, t- uh, a spoiler? I I don't think to say that it deals with manipulation of time and the ability to have people or things go backwards in time, and so they kind of make it hard for you to follow along if you try to think of it on a linear timeline, because there are things that will kind of trip you up 
uh, as you go through. Um, I think it, you know, it probably does kind of beg to be watched again because of how he kind of put everything together and especially with how it ended. I mean, when you reviewed it, I kind of made a joke. Maybe you should watch it backwards. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, no spoilers. You're like, that's a spoiler. I'm like, well, <laughs> it was just a good guess. <laughs> but, like I said, with the, uh, the kind of the main premise being revolving around the manipulation of time and things like that, like, it's going to happen. Stuff like that's going to happen. Um, I thought John David Washington was good. Robert Pattinson was good. The action was great. Like I said, it, it's really fast-paced. I didn't feel like it slowed down at any points. Like, even in some of the, you know, more dialogue-heavy scenes, it didn't seem to drag at all. And I, like I said, I really enjoyed it. It was one of the best movies I've seen all year, if not the best 2020 movie I've seen. So um, I'm going to give Tenet a soonish. Soonish. All right. So I completed the movie challenge for Forbidden Planet. Came out in 1956. It's directed by Fred M. Wilcox, starring Walter Pigeon, Anne Francis, Leslie Nielsen, Warren Stevens, Jack Kelly, Richard Anderson, Earl Hoffman, George Wallace, not that George Wallace. And who's Robbie the Robot? Uh, Robbie the Robot. Yeah, but don't they ever have uh, the guy who did the voice? I know it's listed as just Robbie the Robot here, but... No, it's Robbie the Robot. It's real. Yeah. He's got his own IMDb page. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. It was built in mid-55 by the MGM prop department. At a cost of about 125000 Just wait till you see the Invisible Boy. I know. <laughs> you sound so excited. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, this movie is pretty good. Uh, I'm sorry, I should probably state the synopsis first. A Starship crew goes to investigate the silence of a planet's colony only to find two survivors and a deadly secret that one of them has. So I'd heard a lot of good things about this movie, mostly that it kind of paved the way for a lot of sci-fi that came after it. And after watching, I got, you know, serious Star Trek vibes, original series. Mm -hmm. It seemed like maybe half the episodes I saw on Star Trek were <laughs> almost like a spawn of this. Very similar storylines. You know, maybe there's a different secret, that type of thing, but it seemed like half of them were, they'd go down to the, some alien planet and, you know, they'd mix it up a bit with some, alien civilization and then the, the civilization is keeping a secret the whole time that had dire consequences at the end you know uh it was different seeing leslie nielsen so young yeah he, he kind of looks the same except you know with, with dark hair and not gray hair yeah i don't know how old he was in this because airplane was what 19 79 or 1980 yeah. he was born in 26 so he was about 30 okay yeah he still has his dark hair in this movie uh yeah and it's 
his voice is even, you know, a little different because he's, you know, it's 25 years before the naked gun or airplane almost. Was he a smoker? Not sure. I assume he probably was. I don't know. But yeah, most people were, I guess. But Robert the Robot was fun. Uh, seeing him, you know, only briefly in Gremlins. Yeah. Not being sure what to expect. It was kind of a unique design, I'd say. Although it also seems like there were some design flaws, like making him so like unflexible. <laughs> I like how he's really wide, you know, he's like barrel chested and then his arms are short because obviously there's a guy in there. (laughs) It's not a real robot, (laughs) but but he's only got like man, you know, skinny man length arms. So like his arms are only like, I'm sure the guy in there could, you know, maybe just get past his elbows. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of funny. His fat chubby legs. (laughs) <laughs> Michelin man legs Yeah he's almost like the Michelin man I always call the Michelin man By his real name though Babendum What? Oh, Bendum? Babendum Babendum that's, uh, that's his name No shit huh Just like the Pillsbury Doughboy's name is Poppin' Fresh I see I never knew the Michelin man's name I call them by their names I'm not like Flo from Progressive Hmm Calling Daryl Bigfoot. Ooh. <laughs> You've seen that commercial, right? So you're saying she was basically dead naming Bigfoot. <laughs> that would be like me calling you person or human. <laughs> <laughs> or just like everybody that I meet. What's up, human? What's up, person? Some people do that. <laughs> All right, uh, back to Forbidden Planet. A lot of the special effects were pretty good, especially for 56. There were some pretty impressive ones, like with the hologram they have. Yeah. Kind of to put on display in the middle section. I mean, some of it was very cheesy and dated, but some of it wasn't. So that was pretty interesting to see. This must have been quite the budget back in the day. See if it says down here. Budget estimated at 1.9 mil, which to com- in comparison, Dr. No, which came out six years later, was made for about a million. So this was yeah. definitely a big budget. Full color, too. How about that bright color? Yeah, it was. <laughs> very radiant. Very bright. <laughs> um, a lot of the sets even looked like, you know, Star Trek sets. I wonder if they repurposed some of those. Could have been. I forget what uh, studio did this. I think I just saw it in the bottom. Oh, yeah, MGM. Okay. And I don't know what they're affiliated with, like what TV stations, or at least what they were affiliated with, if any. Yeah, I don't MGM know isn't affiliated it. with much nowadays. <laughs> I don't know if MGM did much in TV or not. But uh, yeah, uh, good performances, good sci-fi, solid story. Entertaining. I wasn't bored with it. Uh, Pretty quick watch, hour 38. Yeah, I would say this is required viewing, but I will give it an eventually. Eventually. All right. I agree with that. 
So now we get to the next movie challenge. This is a challenge. I'm taking you back to the year 1969 for honor Her Majesty's Secret Service. You're going to see the first and only George Lazenby Bond film. And a Bond film that many consider their favorite. You mean Stargrove? Stargrove. Was it the guy in... Stargrove. On, uh, uh, <laughs> never too young yeah, to die. Yeah, never too young to die. <laughs> he's, he's John Stamos' dad. Mm-hmm. And he's a secret spy. He's coming to parents' night. And he's going to watch my gymnastics routine. So excited. You know he's not coming, right? (laughs) I know you have a full podcast plate, but I would recommend the dollop episode on George Lazenby's life. where They go into heavy detail uh, around the making of Honor Majesty's Secret Service, and it's pretty wild. (laughs) The studios were really worried about replacing Sean Connery. You know, they wanted this to really be to be a winner. They went to extensive, I guess, lengths to make sure that this new bond would be a bond that people would like and relate to. And even to the point where they sent an attractive woman to George Lazenby's hotel room with a member of the studio to watch him sleep with said woman. <laughs> for i guess two reasons to a make sure he wasn't gay because bond of course can't be you know portrayed by a gay man and b they want to make sure he was good in bed <laughs> so that james bond wouldn't lose sexual prowess <laughs> i thought you were gonna say they sent a sexy decoy to the green room <laughs> <laughs> To catch him cheating before his interview. <laughs> like on the Maury Povich show. Uh, no, not so much. Does Maury Povich still do sexy decoys? I haven't watched him in years. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, co-star is Diana Rigg, who we just lost uh, a few weeks ago. And Telly Savalas as Blofeld. So, interested to see what you think of that. But... Um, yeah, well, I guess we'll kind of wrap up the show and then you can stick around for spoilers of a movie from 1956. You can reach out to us. You can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com. You can follow us on Twitter at watchthis underscore movie and Brett at PositivelyWolf1. And please rate and review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast platforms. Also, Brett, uh, why don't you tell the good folks at home where they can find some of our lovely merch and uh, remind them again about your new podcast. Yeah, go to teespring.com slash stores slash WTM Watch This Movie. Check out our merchandise. Got some masks up there, you know, just in case you need one. Mm-hmm. Lots of other stuff, T-shirts, stickers, hoodies, coffee mugs. And I believe we're still running the promo code canceled with two L's for 10% off. And then you can hear more of me on the Positively Wolfy podcast. Just go look that up on your favorite podcast app. Um, I've been releasing new episodes every Friday 
We provide unqualified commentary on allegedly real news. We do, uh, we cover three stories on each episode of just some of the strangest, most unusual, or just plain stupid headlines that I can find. Um, And uh, it's a lot of laughs. So go check that out. All right. So what do you want to talk about with Forbidden Planet? The weirdest thing I thought about it while I was watching it was, why do they keep letting the chef leave the ship? Like he has no business being out there. <laughs> He's always out like checking things out, like looking around and like get back in the ship and fucking cook. Right. Like you're not qualified <laughs> to do anything else. Like you're wearing an apron. Like yeah. You're literally wearing an apron. And a chef, like a mini chef hat. <laughs> Looks so out of place. What did you think when uh, when they first landed on the planet and then they're looking around and like, what's that? It's coming awfully fast. And it was Robbie on his little fucking truck. <laughs> <laughs> what I thought when I saw that was there was some great miniature work going on because you can tell that's a miniature because the dust cloud is obviously from, I don't know, something no bigger than the size of my foot, <laughs> you know, going across some sand or gravel or something. He drives very fast. He does. And then I liked when he stopped and they just kind of opened the doors and he just kind of waddles off of it. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny when they, he gives them a ride back to the layer or compound, if you will. Yeah. And, but he brings three guys with him. And that you can tell that that vehicle is only built for two passengers because there's those face coverings, I guess, for all the dust that Robbie whips up as he's <laughs> driving at light speed, basically. So the guy in the middle is just getting bugs and dust in his eyes. He's like, fasten your seatbelts. I'm like, well, I guess, you know, even millennia into the future, we're still, you know, working with the seatbelts. Right. Lamp belts only. <laughs> Yeah, I like the. I thought when they first met Robbie, it was pretty funny because the cook, as you mentioned, he's like, "Is that a is it a male or a female?" And Robbie's like, "For me, that question has no meaning." <laughs> <laughs> like, like, well, what were your plans, Cookie? <laughs> if it was a female, what were you planning to do? <laughs> Although, uh, once they meet. Uh, as Borat would say, where's this from? <laughs> so and then they meet the, uh, the doctor. I forget what his character's name is. The guy who's the, like the lone survivor. And then his daughter is Anne Francis. Who's out there in her skimpy outfits. And all these fucking officers have been out in space for, what, like 10 years or something? nothing but dudes around i love it how forward they are with like could we like like rape your daughter or is that <laughs> like would is that okay yeah <laughs> and then like the one guy's like I, there's one scene where the one dude's like you want to stay away from that guy he's dangerous you don't want to stay with me you know i'll show you how to kiss <laughs> <laughs> and then uh he gets scared off by Leslie Nielsen at some point, but. And then Leslie Nielsen has to stop himself from telling her that she's asking for it by what she's wearing. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> and then the next day she has Robbie make her up like a, a dress that'll cover everything. And he's like, What what is this? <laughs> Comes over. He's like, What where where's the where are your legs? Where are your shoulders? What is going on here? <laughs> Who did uh, Dr. Morbius make her with? Must have missed that part. Who was the mother? Oh, he said he and his wife, I think they got married. I think he said they got married on the ship over there. And then she got pregnant. She must have got pregnant right after or right before they got there. And then like everybody else died and then she gave birth and then she died. Okay. So... Yeah, it was something like that. So uh, the daughter was born either like right after they got there. I can't remember if they said when she was conceived, though. But I'm trying to think what else was in there. What about the the energy monsters or whatever you want to call them? (laughs) The subconscious energy monsters? Yeah. That was probably, well... I wouldn't say if it was necessarily the most dated thing in the movie, but I don't know. I guess it was, it was definitely creative and unique. Yeah. Can't say it's a trope by that time. I'm not sure if something before it had something similar, but had to have been one of the first, if not the first. I liked when they uh, would go on the ship and ruin shit. And like, you could see the, the tracks and the, uh, the sand and then like stepping on the the steps up into the ship and it would just like bend from the weight. Yeah, that, I thought that was pretty cool. That was Special pretty effects sweet. on that was really good. How about that uh, that one scientist on the ship putting together a mock-up of what the foot looked like just based on the footprint? Yeah, I was like, uh, like is it upside down? Well, which way is the nail going then? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I would have came to that same claw, conclusion. I should say. Yeah. Based on the uh, footprint, I don't know if I would have concluded that it would look like that. It was kind of funny how they made the footprints. They just had something underneath the sand that they dropped. Yeah. Like four inches. And so sometimes it falls. You can tell it's not an imprint. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, pre- I mean, pretty much the only uh, way you could do it. Unless you wanted the stop motion, but then it would look terrible. It'd just be, you wouldn't get the actual imprinting. You just get the after effect, a still picture. So this was probably the best way to go about it. Yeah. Um, It seemed like the movie was 90% exposition. (laughs) (laughs) It was a lot of just explaining stuff, which I, you know, come to expect when you they get to a new world and the guy there right. is explaining what's going on. And then especially at the end, it was just Leslie Nielsen, just like 10 minutes straight of like exposition. <laughs> it was kind of funny, but I mean, that happens in a lot of sci-fi stuff because you know, you can't necessarily relate to it. They right. don't know what's going on. So they kind of have to, but mm-hmm. it's like a Nolan movie. Some people say Nolan movies have too much exposition. Like Inception, it was just an hour of them explaining stuff just to set up, you know, reasons so that this movie could exist, you know, that type of thing. 
yeah, I get that. Um, it doesn't bother me. But yeah, like with this movie, like you get a group of people who've never been to the planet meeting a guy who's been there, who's got a secret, but doesn't know why these people are there to come get him. You know, so you kind of, you're with both sides of the, you know, both characters or, you know, both sides where you're just clueless about why both of them are there, you know? So I didn't mind that either. Uh, I'm trying to think what else we could talk about from that. It was refreshing to see well-trained deer because oh, yeah. so often nowadays, you know, it's a stupid CGI deer. It's like, just train a fucking deer. I remember we talked about this uh, in our Stand By Me episode where uh, Will Wheaton is sitting on the train tracks and by himself and he sees that deer mm-hmm. and he has that nice moment by himself and he doesn't even tell the rest of the guys about it. You know, he's just, just a moment for himself. You know, you can train a deer just to kind of do what you want for the most part. Right. Like three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, there's a, a part with a deer that comes around a kind of, it's almost like a, a feeling or a message that Frances McDormand gets from her dead daughter, mm-hmm. like through this deer, just, just seeing it though. And it's like, you just, I don't know, put some food out in the fucking field and have a deer come out and eat or just stand around for a while. And it's like, they're too, they're always so quick to just use CGI for everything. And then it looks like shit. That is weird. How frequently there are CGI deer in movies these days. Like, why are, first of all, why are there so many deer in movies? Second of all, why do you CGI all of them? Yeah. I forget, uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, there wasn't actually a deer in there, was there? I can't no, remember I if there was like a story they told or, you know, one of the characters hits a deer on the side of the road or something like that. I don't think so. I think it was all metaphorical. Yeah, because it was based, it was loosely based on some sort of a, like an old poem or play or work of yeah. literature or something i think it was like a greek myth or something yeah and i saw uh, looking at the imdb one of the writers for this movie was william shakespeare because of the tempest which i'm not familiar i've heard of the tempest but i've never read it don't know what it's about oh i totally forgot about that i think i had heard that before too but yeah i haven't read the tempest either or seen any ad- adaptations of it so I really don't know how much of a connection there is or not, but now that you mention it, that sounds familiar. Old Bill Shakespeare on here. He's not real. He, does, he never existed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else do you want to bring up? Anne Francis. Um, I was kind of looking at her IMDb, and I kind of recognize a couple of things, but I just can't picture, like, what is she most famous for? I don't know. Maybe do they is she one of the women that are oogled in the Shawshank Redemption? I know Rita Hayworth is the on the poster in Andy Frayne's um cell at the end. But he has multiple posters and I think one year it might have been Anne Francis or something. But I think there's one movie that makes fun of somebody for thinking she's hot. <laughs> <laughs> Anne Francis. <laughs> She was see what else she was in. Uh, I was looking at her IMDb. It seems like I, 
It's like I feel more like she's more famous than she actually was. Yeah, I don't know what she would have been famous for. Um, like not being familiar with her. It's like, oh, I know the name. So she must be really famous and like a huge star at the time. And they looked at IMDb and like, well, really? I don't know. Like a, She did quite a few movies, but they're not movies I'm familiar with. She's not like a lot that stand out. Was she something like the Anna Ferris of her era or something? You know, like a <laughs> you know, moderately popular actor. I don't know. She was in Blackboard Jungle, which I really liked. Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but I've heard of that. And she's been in a lot of stuff. She was in a lot of stuff in the fifties. But I mean, they're not movies that I am familiar with. Should some TV stuff. I thought she was, you know, good and quite fetching. It was funny how they tried to um, show her nude. She had a skin-colored swimsuit on, but she was supposed to be naked. You think she was supposed to? Well, I suppose, yeah. Because he's, oh, I better turn around. Because she's like, what's a bathing suit? Because <laughs> Lizzie Nielsen's like, well, I don't have my bathing suit. Like, what's that? You tell right. she was just swimming naked. And then they cut away and it's like, you just could have cut away as she's getting out of the water. You don't have to, because once she gets out, you kind of see like the front of her swimsuit kind of go forward. Mm-hmm. It's wet and sagging, but. <laughs> yeah, I thought she was pretty good as the naive, you know, naive girl who, you know, wants to learn about stuff other than her dad and Robbie. Robbie becomes quite the bourbon maker. <laughs> what did he make? Like 60 gallons or something? 60 gallons. It was like 400 and some pints, which equaled out to six, 60 gallons. Where was the cook last night? I swear it was with the robot. <laughs> you got, got drunk in five minutes? You got an alibi. <laughs> he said something like he was, had a hang or he didn't have a hangover. Yeah, it was like so pure that they didn't have a hangover from drinking. <laughs> That's not right. It's not right. So Robbie has the line early in the movie. They ask him about the like oxygen content or something. And he says, it's whatever. And he says, I don't use it myself. It promotes rust. Yeah. <laughs> I think that is the line. I want to say he uses that line and gremlins like just when a, when the dad is at the convention or whatever mm-hmm. i think i don't know if he's just like off in the background and he's at like a phone booth right talking yeah to the i phone think he's somebody. trying to make a call you know a sale over the phone and i think he says that he's like it <laughs> i don't use it myself it promotes rust <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny when he analyzed the bourbon he's like you know analyzing and he burped still <laughs> It's good stuff. But yeah, at some point I'll have you watch The Invisible Boy, which is a special feature on that Blu-ray mm-hmm. of Forbidden Planet. Oh, I should probably still give it back to you before then so you could watch it again, right? Invisible Boy. Well, it depends. Or I guess I don't know when, how soon you're going to, you know, assign me that. I'd give it back to you and then you could wait a while and then watch it again and then assign it to me, I guess. Yeah, we'll figure it out. I watched it again a few months ago. It was uh, I watched it for the second time a few months ago, and it's it's not the same classic as Forbidden Planet, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. 
All right. Well, anything else? No, I think we uh, covered pretty much everything. All right. We will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right. Check you later. Bye. Wait, man. Why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking about? Check you later. Check you later. (laughs) Hey, man. You're off my case.